It's a very dirty talk Christmas special two with special guests Balder, Frigg, Loki, Gryland the Yule Lads, Hans Trap, and featuring the Christmas Naked Morad and Mistletoe. Now here's your host, Chris and Ray. Christmas, everybody, and welcome to yet another Dirty Talk Christmas special. Booyah! Coming at you live and strong from our podcast lair, where we are full of Christmas spirit. We're calling this one, It's a Very Dirty Talk Christmas Special 2, like T-O-O, also, right? It's clever. (laughs) I see what you did there. Yes, it's very clever. Well, welcome, everybody, to the one and only Dirty Talk podcast Accept no substitutes this holiday season. That's right. You know, Boo. Mm-hmm. There's something about Christmas that brings a feeling of love and romance to the air. In Belarus, young women place piles of corn in front of themselves to let a rooster decide which one of them will marry in the new year. In the Czech Republic, hopeful brides to be throw a shoe over their shoulder, hoping it will point to the door with the promise of love in their future. And the world over, lovers new and old sneak a warm, hibernal kiss under the poop stick. Wait, wait, wait. wait. A, a poop stick. Did I hear that right? Yes, a poop stick. You know, the traditional Christmas poop stick. <laughs> I do not know of a traditional Christmas poop stick. Do you care to elaborate? Well, the poop stick, or as many people choose to call it, mistletoe. Uh, Nobody calls it a poop stick. Well, they should. It is believed that mistletoe got its name from ancient observations that its seeds would often be accompanied or grow out of bird droppings on the branches of trees. Because, you see, birds ate the mistletoe berries, the seeds of which are contained in an indigestible, sticky, mucilaginous coating, which cements the seed to tree bark once the birds shit them out. By sticking to the tree in this way, it allows the budding mistletoe plant to pierce the bark of the host tree and tap into its vascular system, from which the mistletoe will parasitically draw water and nutrients. Mistletan, the old English word for mistletoe, was derived from the Anglo-Saxon words mistel, which means dung, and tan, which means twig. So it literally translates to dung twig. But I think poop stick has a more amorous ring to it. <laughs> amorous. Yes. Amorous ring. Well, nobody, I mean... Nobody wants to kiss under the dung twig. But here, come with me, my darling. Let us embrace and smooch under the poop stick. <laughs> I'm, 
I'm, ooh, that's, uh, that's really disturbing. Thank you for sharing that with me. So where did we come up with the tradition of kissing under a poop stick? I'm glad you asked. Mostly, it is attributed to the Norse myth of Balder. Balder, son of Odin and the sorceress goddess Frigg. Balder was a generous, joyful, and courageous character who gladdened the hearts of all who spent time with him. When, therefore, he began to have ominous dreams of some grave misfortune befalling him, the gods became fearful since such dreams were prophetical. Frigg, yearning for any chance of saving her treasured son, however remote, went to every entity in the cosmos, living or non-living, and obtained an oath not to harm Balder. After these oaths were secured, the gods made a sport out of the situation. They threw sticks, rocks, and anything else on hand at Balder, and everyone laughed as these things bounced off and left the shining god unharmed. The wily and disloyal Loki sensed an opportunity for mischief. In disguise, he went to Frigg and asked her, did all things swear oaths to spare Balder from harm? Oh yes, everything except the mistletoe. But the mistletoe is so small and innocent a thing, I felt it unnecessary to ask it for an oath. What harm could it do to my son? Immediately upon hearing this, Loki departed, located the mistletoe, carved a spear out of it, and brought it to where the gods were playing their new favorite game. He approached the blind god, Odor, and said, You must feel quite left out, having to sit back here away from the merriment, not being given a chance to show Balder the honor of proving his invincibility. The blind god concurred. Here said Loki, handing him the shaft of mistletoe. I will point your hand in the direction where Balder stands, and you throw this branch at him. So Hoder threw the mistletoe. It pierced the god straight through, and he fell down dead on the spot. Distraught, Frigg wept tears onto the arrow. Her tears turned into its white berries, which she placed on Balder's wound, bringing him back to life. Overjoyed, Frigg blessed the mistletoe plant and promised a kiss to all who passed beneath it. So pucker up and smooch, your beloved, under the traditional decorative Christmas poop stick. With a warm glow in your heart, that reminds you that you're celebrating the resurrection of an assassinated Norse god. Aww. But don't eat its twigs or berries unless you want to do away with the 
unwanted consequences of your Yuletide trysts. Unwanted consequences? What sort of unwanted consequences would mistletoe do away with? Well, mistletoe is poisonous. One of the chemicals in American mistletoe seems to be similar to the poison in cobra venom. And it can cause symptoms including nausea, vomiting, decreased heart rate, and hallucinations. Additionally, it can cause an increase of muscle contractions in the uterus and intestine. This is why it has long been used by native tribes to induce abortion. What? Yep. So get festive and friendly during these cold, dark months. Mistletoe can help stoke the flames of your smoldering Yule log and ignite the passion to deck the halls. <laughs> and it will still be there if you need a little assistance the morning after. <laughs> that's so fucked up. Oh, that's fucked up. Merry Christmas, everybody. That's fucked up. <laughs> Welcome to the Dirty Talk podcast again. Booyah! <laughs> it's gonna get weird. Buckle up. This is Chris, and... This is Rain. And if you do have any calling questions for the podcast, uh, if you have any comments or have any ideas that we want to try and explore on future episodes, feel free to give us a call. The call-in line for the podcast is 614-733-4739, also known as... 614-R-DeGray. We'll be right back with more twisted, fucked-up Christmas merriment for you. Happy Holidays! Previously on Dirty Talk After, After hours. hours. Yeah, you ready for this final volley? I'm ready. All right, let's, let's do, do it. All right, hunker down. Oh, shit, it looks like they're regrouping. Ah! What are they doing over there? Oh, crap! Ah! Incoming! After Hours, available exclusively on Patreon every Monday morning. If you do want to get access to the Dirty Talk After Hours podcast, you can get it in one of two ways. You can follow Rain DeGray on Patreon at patreon.com backslash Rain DeGray. 
You have to type it out exactly. I'm not searchable because I'm naughty. She has been blacklisted. She's in the adult ghetto. I'm a bad, bad girl. Or you can head on over to our brand spanking new shiny Dirty Talk podcast Patreon, which is patreon.com backslash Dirty Talk podcast. Either way, if you pledge at $5 a month, you will get exclusive weekly access to the Dirty Talk After Hours podcast. Hey, Chris. Yes, Rain? Have you ever heard of the Yule Lads, their child-eating mother, and their vicious cat? (laughs) I, I would love to claim knowledge of this, but alas, I cannot. Well, in honor of the holiday season, we are paying a visit to Iceland where we will be hanging out with the Yule Cat and his family. What is the Yule Cat, you may ask? What, pray tell, is the Yule Cat? It is a huge and vicious cat with sharp teeth and glaring yellow eyes that attacks and eats the children that have the audacity not to be wearing new Christmas clothing. Um, so... If you don't wear new clothes, the cat attacks you and kills you. Correct. Of course. Is this cat some sort of fashionista? Evidently, the Icelandic people take their fashion very seriously indeed and raise their children up on a charming poem about getting killed and eaten if you don't get new clothes for Christmas. No pressure or anything. Would you like to hear the legendary Yule Cat poem? But of course I would. You all know the Yule Cat, and the cat was huge indeed. People didn't know where he came from, or where he went. He opened his glaring eyes wide, the two of them glowing bright. It took a really brave man to look straight into them. His whiskers sharp as bristles, his back arched up high, and the claws of his hairy paws were a terrible sight. He gave a wave of his strong tail, He jumped and he clawed and he hissed, sometimes up in the valley, sometimes down by the shore. He roamed at large, hungry and evil, in the freezing Yule snow. In every home, people shuddered at his name. If one heard a pitiful meow, everything evil would happen soon. Everybody knew he haunted men, but didn't care for mice. He picked on the very poor, that no new garments scot for Yule, who toiled and lived in dire need. For them he took in one fell swoop their whole Yule dinner, always eating it himself, if he possibly could. Hence it was that the woman at their spinning wheel sat, spinning a colorful thread for a frock or a little sock. Because you mustn't let the cat get hold of the little children. They had to get something new to wear from the grown-ups each year. And when the lights came on on Yule Eve and the cat peered in, the little children stood rosy and proud, all dressed up in their new clothes. Some had gotten an apron and some had gotten shoes or something that was needed. That was all it took. For all who got something new to wear, stayed out of that pussycat's grasp. 
He then gave an awful hiss, but went on his way. Whether he still exists, I do not know, but his visit would be in vain. If next time everybody got something new to wear, now you might be thinking of helping. Where help is needed most, perhaps you'll find some children that have nothing at all, perhaps searching for those that live in a lightless world will give you a happy day and a merry, merry Yule. Um, so that poem doesn't rhyme. I mean, I suppose it doesn't have to rhyme to be a poem. You are aware that it was translated out of the original I'm Icelandic. sure. I'm sure in the original Icelandic, it's brilliant. <laughs> it's no pressure if you're poor in Iceland and your family cannot afford to get you new clothing, you're going to be killed and eaten by a giant vicious cat. Or it takes your Christmas meal. And then kills you. And kills you. There's a lot of, there's actually a fair amount of food theft in Iceland. Food was obviously very important. Mm, and a lot well, of the. Of course, because you live in Iceland. Interestingly enough, Iceland is nowhere as cold as Greenland. Well, yeah, because it has all the natural hot springs and volcanic activity. Well, it's it's also a more temperate climb, particularly the southern parts of it. It gets it can mm-hmm. be in fifty degrees, which is better. fifty degrees. You don't say. Ooh. That's about as cold <laughs> as New York or Chicago, man. In the in the winter time or in the summer? Summer. <laughs> yeah. Fifty four degrees. Oh yeah. Oh, this summer is temperate, hot summers. Fifty four degrees. Yeah. Ooh, I just have to put a light jacket on today. <laughs> yeah, but it can still get extremely cold. I know that Iceland is is not covered in ice like Greenland is. Right. And it is a beautiful island. I would love to visit someday. But it gets fucking balls cold there. I got to understand why food is scarce and yeah. food theft would be highly punishable. But not as bad as not having new clothes at Christmas. With their long, dark, and cold nights, they didn't just come up with killer fashion-conscious cats. They also found the time to come up with the Yule Lads and their mother. What are the Yule Lads? They are 13 troublesome trolls that show up for the 13 days of Christmas. I thought there were supposed to be 12 days of Christmas. Oh, yes, that's right. Christmas has 13 days. (laughs) According to the Icelanders. Someday we should do a piece about the significance of the number 13 as it appears to pop up in a whole bunch of different cultures. Jesus had 12 disciples and the addition of him made 13. Yet Friday the 13th and the 13th floor on hotels was unlucky. Go figure. At one point, there was up to 70 Yule lads, but evidently that was too much to wrangle and they condensed it down to 13. Oh yeah, 13 to 70. This lady... Must have birthed quite a lot of weird, horrific troll kids. Their mother was a busy woman, and she did not believe in birth control. The Yule lads focus a lot of their attention on stealing food, and it seems that in addition to clothing, food is a matter of strong focus in the Icelandic culture. Each Yule lad shows up and hangs around for 13 days before leaving. Hmm. In order, they are... Sheep. Who harasses sheep. Mm-hmm. Gully gawk. Hides in gullies, waiting for an opportunity to sneak into the cow shed and steal milk. Now, this was actually discriminatory against milkmaids because they were supposedly easily distracted by sturdy 
young men, and when they were supposed to be guarding the cows, they would be off fucking someone, and that's when Gully Gawk would come in and make off with the milk. There's been many a ribald story involving the milkmaid. Milkmaids are, they get around. Well, they've got soft hands. <laughs> Do they have soft hands? From what I've heard. Oh, you don't know personally? Well, it's like you don't develop calluses from maybe, repeatedly maybe milking. You could have really, really <laughs> harsh, calloused hands off of all of those teats. Yeah. You're the one that's presuming soft I paws. I hope that they use Utterbaum. <laughs> I don't think the Icelandic people had Utterbaum back in the day. Stubby. Was abnormally short, and he steals pans to eat the crust that is left on them. Spoon liquor. Steals and licks wooden spoons and is extremely thin due to malnutrition. Well, there's not much nutrition in licking spoons. Pot scraper. Who steals leftovers from pots. Bowl liquor. Who hides under beds waiting for someone to put down their bowl, which he then steals. Wait, are these people eating in bed? It's cold. Why would you get out of bed? Of course they're eating in bed. <laughs> they're like you. It's under the bed. Well, I, dude, it's very smart to eat in bed. I do it all the time. They actually have a specific type of bowl that has a lid over it, and they mm -hmm. use that as opposed to dishes. So you're freezing your ass off. You're in Iceland. You're eating with a specific type of bowl that has a lid, and you're in bed. Then you're done, and you put it on the ground, and bowl liquor, who's oh, hiding God. under the bed, puts out his little trollish hand and makes off with your bowl. Door slammer. Who likes to slam doors, obviously, particularly at night, to wake people up. Yes. That's that, it. That's his whole bit. He just should have been one of the biblical curses. Frogs and door slamming. A pox upon thee. Skier gobbler. Which is a Yule lad with a great affinity for scryer, which is Icelandic yogurt. So his entire bit is right. that he just steals yogurt. He's really into yogurt. That's his thing. <laughs> yogurt thief. Sausage swiper. You know what? I bet I could guess this one. Oh, oh, oh. go ahead, guess. Uh, does he take sausages? He hides in the rafters and he snatches sausages that are being smoked. Mm-hmm. Okay. Window peeper. Ooh, it's the man after my own heart. I've peeped in a few windows before. <laughs> but were you doing it in search of things to steal? No. That's what he's doing it for, you big old pervert pants. I was doing it in search of... I was trying to steal a look of something naughty, possibly. <laughs> Window peeper wants to steal things, which is why he is peeping in windows. Okay. Doorway sniffer. He has an abnormally large nose and an acute sense of smell, which he uses to locate bread. By sniffing around the doorway. <laughs> I smell bread. Meat hook. He uses a hook to steal meat. Mm. And... Last but not least, candle stealer. So he's the only one that's not stealing food. Ah ha ha, that is where you're wrong, my friend. The candle stealer follows children in order to steal their candles, which were once made of tallow and thus edible. <laughs> so he's trying to eat the candles. He's trying to eat the candles. So all of these Yule lads are just starving and super hungry. It's all about, like, give me your food, give me your food, give me your candles, which I'll eat. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, there's not a lot of sustenance. Most of them are trying to survive off of licking the bottoms of pots, spoons, bowls, crusts. They just survive on some crusts that are left over in a pan. Everyone is basically cold and hungry and stealing food. 
Honestly, however, there seems to be a fair amount of crossover. Spoon liquor, pot scraper, and bowl liquor could easily be combined into just one troll with a fondness for cutlery and crockery. Yeah. I suppose if you did that, you would be missing out on the magic number 13, though. The odd troll out appears to be Sheepcoat Claude, who doesn't appear to have a food fetish. He harasses sheep. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not quite sure what sheep harassment Harassments, looks like. Quotation marks. Her, he maybe he says they have nice legs, and he keeps making excuses to linger on the barn, uncomfortably close. Mm-hmm. Uh, like making to... time with the sheep. Perhaps that reminds me of uh, one of my favorite jokes. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between the Rolling Stones and a Scotsman? Rolling uh, Stones. I don't know. What's the difference? The Rolling Stones sing, "Hey, you get off of my cloud," and a Scotsman says, "Hey, McLeod, get off my you." <laughs> Ooh, no. no offense to any scotch yeah. out there we're gonna we're gonna get some angry emails spoon liquor stands out as a fairly odd troll as well he stalks your kitchen and waits for a chance to steal the spoons and just licks them that's his whole deal <laughs> He steals the spoon to lick, and it's his only source of sustenance. Mm-hmm. Unlike his brothers, no food, just spoons. Well, that's he, why he's so emaciated. He is unusually thin, which is not surprising when your entire diet consists of wooden spoons. <laughs> Whatever is left on the spoon. He really, really likes them, too. In specific, he likes to hold the wooden spoon with both hands because sometimes it gets slippery. That's a, that's a direct quote. I am not judging the Icelandic people. Because he's the, drooling all over it? Or or the spoon, just, he's got to hold the wood slippery, with both hands because it spoon. gets slippery, and he's very focused on the wood and spoons. The Yule lads are the children of Grilla, who lives up in the mountains with her third husband, as well as the fashion-obsessed Yule cat. Hmm. Her first two husbands are no longer in the picture, as evidently she is a dangerous person to be married to. Some sort of black widow? Yeah, don't piss her off. Her third husband has survived by keeping his head down and not causing any trouble. Grilla is half ogre, half troll, and has hooves, horns, and 15 tails. Wow. 15. Which seems like a lot to keep under a skirt and not trip. What does a pair of bloomers that is cut to accommodate 15 tails even look like? That's that's a lot. There's a lot happening under her skirt. So you dodge the 15 tails and get up to 70 suns. Mm -hmm. Things are happening under that skirt. Since this jacked up family lived up in the mountains, they didn't have a lot of dinner options. Grilla would send the Yule lads into town where they would snatch up unruly children into a sack and bring them back to their mother to be cooked into a stew. A defense was to be armed at all times with a pair of sharp scissors so you could cut yourself out of the sack if you got abducted. Mm, Of course, not to stab the Yule lads, but just preemptive sack cutting. Well, once they had you in the sack, I guess they were really focused on getting back to their house. So they wouldn't pay attention to the sack of children that they were hauling over their shoulder. So you just have a pair of scissors, cut yourself out, run away. You'd be fine. Oh, okay, good. These Christmas tales grew until Icelandic youngsters were so terrified of being eaten, they literally would not leave their homes. It got bad enough that the government had to step in and issued a ban 
on using Grilla as an intimidation tactic. Imagine having Christmas traditions and tales that were so terrifying the government actually has to step in and intervene. The 1746 law prohibiting the use of the tale of Grilla to frighten children is the oldest child protective services law on the Icelandic books. After the ban, Grilla and her sons cleaned up their images. Grilla decided to send her sons into town only 13 days before Christmas, and they were instructed to spread holiday joy rather than fear. Mm. No more spoon licking. And oh, no, no, they still do. No, the spoon licking is, is the bright and shiny version. Oh, so this they're is, no longer stealing the kids for stew. They're just stealing crusts spoon. from yes. your pants. Yes. Okay. That's the, the rehabilitated version of the Yule Lads. All right. If the child of the house is good, they receive a small toy. If they're bad, they get a rotten potato. Mm. But I'm sure the bad kids figure that rotten potatoes are better than being eaten, so they aren't too put off. I'd rather deal with rotten potatoes over being cooked in a stew any day. Most definitely. And rotten potatoes are more useless than a lump of coal. Yeah, you can't get any warm or draw with it or do anything. It's just a squishy, decaying... Maybe you can of... plant it later and hope another potato grows. Ooh. While Icelandic children no longer need to be so terrified of Christmas stories that laws have to be put in place to protect them, they still have to deal with only five hours of sunlight during the winter months and temperatures that get down to 14 degrees. My spoiled California ass starts to wilt once it gets below 50 degrees. I'm going to have to pass on the sheep harassing and spoon licking and judgmental cats. Like many of our traditions, when you peel back the recent polished outer additions, the foundation of the tradition is quite dark indeed. Here's to never getting eaten by a giant cat. Hey everyone, this is Rain de Grey. If you want to keep tabs on me and check out all the cool stuff I'm doing, you can head on over to my website, raindegray.com, and while you're there, sign up for my newsletter so that you and I can stay in touch. And if you are on Twitter, check me out at either Rain Grey or the Dirty Talk cast. Dirty Talk podcast has a new Twitter. Just search Twitter for Dirty Talk podcast or add us at Dirty Talk cast. Oot. Gather round, children. It's cold outside. Come huddle close to the fire. Before we cut into our Christmas gimmick and feast on the pungent fermented bird meat, we're going to read from our book of forgotten Christmas lore. Grandpa. Yes, my dear. What makes your Christmas gimmick so good? Well, honey, besides making it with love and the anticipation of holiday cheer. I make sure to start it months ago to give the ox ample time to ferment. I only use the choicest hand-picked ox for my Christmas kivik. And remember, only ox will do. If you use other birds, they might not ferment properly, and the resulting botulism could kill you. The most important part is the seal. The seal needs to be perfectly fatty and freshly disemboweled. Then I make sure the body cavity is stuffed as full as possible with ox, 
beaks, feathers, feet, and all. I pack them as tight as I can to ensure that as much air is forced from the pouch as can be. Then I suture the seal carcass closed and rub it all over with fresh seal blubber to make the encasing as airtight as possible. The rocks I bury it under are the same ones that my grandfather's father used to make sure that the birds are properly fermented and tender for us to enjoy on Christmas. The whole sack needs to stay in the ground for at least three months. It truly is a labor of love, but it's worth it to see your smiling faces as you pull bird after bird from the seal carcass, suck out the intestinal juices, and feast on the succulent meat. Eyes a twinkle with the spirit of the holiday. We love Kubik, Grandpa. Grandpa. And I love you all. Now on with our story. <clears throat> ah, here's one I remember well from I was a lad. The story of Hans Trop. <clears throat> May the Lord forgive me for my cowardice. But what, but what I, saw I saw in the forest tonight, after attending the mass and celebration of his son's birth, turned my blood to ice and drove a blazing spike of fear through my heart. As I made my way home through the outskirts of the wood, I came upon a clearing, and to my surprise, when the clouds parted for the moon to shine, there, in the center was the ghoulish figure of a scarecrow, bent over a small child, feasting on the poor young thing's flesh, the blackened snow steaming under the warmth of the freshly spilled blood. Instead of interfering, I turned and ran not stopping till I reached the safety of my cottage and making sure that the doors and windows were barred. Put pen to paper to record these horrid things. For I knew of this creature that prowled the woods on Christmas Eve. I was told the stories when I was a young boy, but thought them lore. This specter could be none other than Hans Trap himself. When I was young, I was told the stories of Hans Trop, a cruel man who possessed great wealth. However, it was said that he acquired his wealth not through hard work, but from acts of magic, packs with demons and Satan worship. All who knew him saw that he was heartless, vain and greedy. He reveled in sin when the Vatican heard of Trapp's cruelty and occultism, he was arrested and brought before the Pope. He was quickly excommunicated for Satanism and demonolatry. His land and property were confiscated from him and he was left penniless. The villagers of his hometown shunned and banished him to the woods. Enraged and full of scorn, he devoted himself more and more to his dark sorcery. All he focused on was exacting revenge on those who exiled him. Alone in his hermitage deep in the woods, he began his descent into madness. 
his insanity, culminating in a craving for the taste of human flesh. Obsessed with these thoughts of cannibalism, he devised a wicked plan. He would disguise himself as a scarecrow by wearing raggedy clothing, stuffed with straw and sticks, and then wait patiently in the fields for his prey to come to him. His bloodlust was soon fulfilled. A young shepherd boy, unaware of the mortal danger, came strolling through the field, searching for stray sheep. Seizing the opportunity, his mouth salivating with the promise of the boy's warm flesh, Han's trap ran him through with a sharpened staff. Returning home with the bloody, mutilated corpse of the child, he butchered it into pieces and roasted it on a spit over his fire. As he prepared to take his first bite of the flesh, he had craved so much. God, enraged by the blasphemous act about to occur, struck him with lightning. Felled by this heavenly rage, Han's trap was no more. Grandpa, why did God wait until then to kill him? Why didn't he do it before he murdered the boy? The Lord works in mysterious ways, my dear, and it's not for us to question. It was claimed that Hans, that Hans trap, trap did, did not fully die that day. His spirit was so corrupted and twisted by the dark arts that it continues to roam the woods, looking to satisfy his hunger for human flesh. When I was young, my parents would tell me of these things and would warn me that if I was naughty, at Christmas, Hans Trap, donning his scarecrow disguise, would lure me into the forest and after agonizing torture, would slaughter me and pick my bones clean. I gave no heed to these stories until this cursed night. I pray for the soul of this unknown child, and I pray, may the, may the Lord, Lord forgive me for, for my cowardice. There you have it, children. Be on your best behavior, for if you're not, you may be taken to the woods, never to be seen again. Yes, yes Grandma. Grandpa. Also remember to take a tuft of hair from your brush, wrap it in one of your socks, and place it beneath the foot of your bed. If you've been good all year, the Christmas naked mole rat will gift you a whorehound dropped by morning. Yes, yes Grandpa. And don't even think of stealing the cookies we left out for Santa. You all remember what happened to the young boy Danny from South Africa? Yes, Grandpa. He ate all of Santa's cookies, and it made his grandma so angry she beat him to death. That's right. You're all good little boys and girls. Now let's go feast. Yay! There you have it, ladies and gentlemen our second annual Christmas podcast. I'm disturbed. You're welcome. Oh. Christmas is all full of strange lore, creepy creatures, things it, that go bump in the night. Shit got weird. I like it when shit gets weird. Me too. It's odd that in America, 
We don't really frighten the kids with the potential of demons coming and taking them away. I have a theory if you want to hear it. Uh, yeah, what's your theory? So, as time has progressed, we've scaled back the demons and you being kidnapped and put in sacks and eaten. If you go back and look at old fairy tales, they're super jacked up. Oh, yeah, all of them are messed up. And then they start, as time goes on, they start dialing it back. So I would propose my theory as to why America doesn't have a tradition is because it's a more recently developed area. And by the time we already got white men, Western civilization. Yes, white European settlers. Right. We had already started to dial back on our stories and they weren't quite as grim, which is why we don't have as much of a jacked up Christmas tradition. So it's the Disneyfication of America. Correct. I get it. And I possibly believe... Maybe it was more important to control people's behavior in the old world. A lot of these stories, like from Iceland, were like, don't steal food. Right. In order to police the behavior because they didn't have a lot of food. Right. So you had to come up with strict consequences, even if they were imaginary. Also, I believe that life was cheaper back then. And so many, so it was so hard to even make it to adulthood anyway. Oh, you had so many children. It's so many kids that it's just kids were not really cherished and coddled. They, you know, there was no helicopter parents. It was like, don't get too attached. They're probably not going to make it to adulthood anyway, and you got to keep them in line. Yeah, be good, or some creature is going to come in the middle of the night and disembowel you. Correct. Good night. Sleep well. <laughs> we have a lot more of these things to talk about. If you want to join us for our after hours podcast, we come out with a weekly dirty talk after, after hours podcast and after these regular monthly podcasts we have a follow-up episode i have some footnotes that i want to discuss um, regarding the story i shared about han's trap also some of the other weird christmas goblins trolls witches and things that i found in my research we just have so much stuff we can't stuff it all into uh our regular podcast. The, the, the Kivik sack of oh. podcasts that we offered you today. And if you haven't heard of Kivik, it is a real thing. Go look it up. It's disturbing. It's it's amazing. <laughs> it's going to be our new traditional Christmas feast. Have fun with that. Oh, 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 seal blubber. Join us every week on Patreon for the Dirty Talk After, After Hours, Hours podcast. Or just join us on Patreon because you appreciate what we're doing and you want to show your appreciation by supporting us financially. And allowing us to keep doing this. So, Rain and Grace Patreon or the Dirty Talk Podcast Patreon. Either way, pledge your money, you'll get our weekly After Hours Podcast. Thank you so much in advance. Booyah. Also, I want to share the podcast challenge that I share every time. And that challenge is... Rate, recommend, and review. What you call the... Three R's. Yes, the three R's. If you like it, go to where you get your podcast. Please rate it. Recommend it to a friend. Or two. Or three. And review it. Yes, please. Thank you in advance again. Yes. For that. The Dirty Talk Podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, and now... YouTube. We're everywhere. All the videos are uploaded to YouTube and conveniently have closed captioning if you want to read along with what we're saying. Follow and rate it in any one of those locations. 
Again, thank you in advance. I love your radio voice. <laughs> thank you. Finally, shout out to our honorary producers. <gasps> yes. We currently have a one honorary producer that comes with multiple people, and that is... He does come with multiple people. Oh, <laughs> you want to explain that statement? Our honorary producer is Rolf, who is currently our biggest supporter. And Rolf is a man after my own heart who is deeply dedicated to Polly and currently has multiple wives, which means he probably doesn't sleep a lot because it is hard to wrangle that many women, but he does it and he supports us. And has a new baby, so I'm sure he's getting even less sleep than he was before. No sleep for you. Thank you so much, Rolf. We appreciate all your support. I sent him a baby card. Excellent. If you want to join and become one of our honorary producers, you can find out how to do that by going to the Dirty Talk Podcast Patreon. That is patreon.com backslash dirty talk podcast. And the instructions are on there. Hint. Hint. It takes giving money. Hint, hint. Again, thank you so much for joining us for another interesting, wonderful episode, in my opinion, of the Dirty Talk Podcast. I'm traumatized. Merry Christmas, everyone. (laughs) Happy New Year. See you next time. May all your wildest dreams come true. Good night. Good luck. God bless us, everyone.